podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gents, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and I am joined by my fantastic co host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, my man? You didn't call me lovely this time. Yeah, you're not as lovely. We did a podcast two days ago. Come on. It's because I didn't shave today. I know it. Yeah, that's part. That's that's part of it. You're not. You, the last time you were lovely, lovely. I was. I was. I was shaving. I was wearing the tux and everything like I do. But yeah, that's you're super, super lovely. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm I'm doing what well. none of my uh, none of my favorite uh, uh, fantasy studs, you know, were lost. You know, lost for the season today. So it's a good day. I almost lost. Uh, lost. Lost mine. Uh, oh, yeah. Not necessarily fantasy guy, but a but a fandom guy with Le'Veon. But it's looking <clears throat> at least a little bit promising uh, with uh, Ed Bouchette reports uh, saying that it, it's probably not a Liz Frank injury, which is good. Is it not? So we'll is it not Boucher? Do we not say? No, it's Ed Ed Bouchette. Mm, I don't know. I'm gonna yeah. go with the French pronunciation there. It's definitely Bouchette, but you could you can you can say that every time you see his name. <laughs> anyway. Denny, we have a we have a fantastic guest on tonight. I'm very very excited. Are you excited? I'm thrilled. I haven't talked to this guy in like 22 hours. 20 maybe maybe yeah, 22 and a half. Uh-huh. Because we are bringing on Mr. Rumford Johnny from Two Mugs Fantasy Football. Johnny, what's going on, man? Uh it's a pleasure to be on this podcast. I have to tell you guys, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I subscribe on iTunes, which you all wow. should do as well. Uh, I love it. You, you guys do some. You guys bring something a little different to the uh, the fantasy football table. Uh, you know, you got you guys bring the casserole. Everybody's kind of not really sure what's in the casserole, and they're a little skeptical. And then they take a little bit. They take yeah, a little spoonful of you know right next to the roast beef, and then you have it, and you're like, this casserole is dope. What's what's the <laughs> recipe? And then you're like, well, you're gonna listen to the podcast to figure it out. So yeah, I'm happy to be here, guys. Thanks. I appreciate you coming on. We're, we're, we too. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, the four of us counting Forbes as well. We talk on Twitter constantly and, uh, and you know, we, we all are, are friends of each other's, uh, through fantasy football in a way. And, and we, we too love the two mugs podcast. So we're really excited to have you on tonight. So tonight we, uh, we're going to, we're going to just get kind of right into it. We're going to talk about tight ends and I, oh my God, it's like every single time I ask people on Twitter to give me questions about tight ends, I get the most perverted responses you can possibly <laughs> well, imagine. You know, that, that, ha- that does happen. I mean, you know, you never know Twitter, you might get some, uh, some porn bots, you know, wanting to do, wanting to do some things that, uh. They told you in Catholic school you couldn't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's, that's right, yeah. and, it's, and it's always it's always Alex Melio. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's coming in. He's he's making some sort of tight end reference. Oh. It's just not not safe. Yes. N S F P. Not safe for podcast. No, not at all. I'm just seeing it now. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he, needs, he needs to get out of the house a little bit more, man. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. So uh, we're gonna talk about tight ends. Um, the football variety and uh we're you know late round guys because luckily uh conveniently we brought johnny on here tonight uh because he too subscribes to the 
uh, late round tight end philosophy because he's he's smart. There and, you go. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, the other big thing, uh, the other big reason that, that we wanted to bring him on, too, is because uh, he's, he's a New England guy, and he's going to hopefully provide some – not hopefully, he will provide some awesome insight on uh, the tight end situation up there in New England. So, without further ado, let's just go to that first before we get into kind of tight end strategy and, and our thoughts on some of the individual tight ends. Johnny, why don't you give us a rundown of what your expectation is for let's start with Gronk. What have you heard uh, surrounding the injury and whatnot uh, up there in New England? Well, for the most part, most of the beat writers right now believe that there is a week three, week four probability for Gronk to return. So that would mean that he's not going to be placed on regular season pup, which would yeah. which would mean up till week six, and then you'd be you know without right. without him for that long and have to make a backup plan. So and of course that would push his ADP way down. Um, so right now, if you're still drafting in that you know round three and beyond area, and you still want to grab Gronkowski, um, I'm still advocating that you do. I think he's still somebody that you know we know what he can do when he is healthy and he's playing. Uh, I might push him down a, uh, maybe a round or two, um, maybe fourth or fifth. So if somebody else wants to still go really high on him in the second round, um, mm-hmm. I, I'd avoid him at that point because. He still has to get into football shape and be ready. But as we look at the schedule, guys, um, right now the first two games are against the Jets and the Buffalo Bills, which they don't really right. they don't really need him for. And then yeah. then they have a slate. I believe it's Tampa, Atlanta, uh, and then I I'm not sure. I think it might be New Orleans. I'm not really looking at the schedule right now, but it's it sure. gets really much more difficult for the the Patriots to sort of keep pace scoring wise with those teams. Um, mm-hmm. So for them, they'd probably want to get him back for the, at least the third or fourth week at the latest. So that's kind of where it's um, setting up. Now, as far as Zach Sudfeld is concerned, I know a lot of people have been asking, you know, where should you draft him? Um, he's still going off the board in, you know, 12th, 13th round, maybe even a little bit later in some leagues. I, I'm yeah. fine with that. I'm fine with him going a little bit earlier, actually, maybe a round earlier if you want to get him in the 11th round because – Truth be told, he was a guy that was from Chris Alt's, you know, pistol offense in Nevada, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that offense, he is asked to block quite a bit for the running game and was sort of a move tight end, using the slot, split out a little bit. He kind of was a lot like Hernandez in a sense, in the way he was yeah. utilized, except that he's six foot seven. I mean, he's a, he's a monster. Um, so to have those two trees out on on the field at the same time, I see no reason why his value would go down exponentially because he's still going to be utilized a lot like Hernandez and probably maybe a little bit more value because he is such a huge target. So if people are drafting him now late in their drafts, I see no reason to freak out if if Gronkowski is back in the third or you know fourth week. Going to hold value, especially when you think of Amendola. And you're a little concerned about him holding up for 16 games, and he's already being held out of practice and may not play on Thursday. So, all those things kind of factored in. They're still going to rely very heavily on the running backs and the tight ends. So that really bodes well, I think, for Sudfeld. So if you get him in that that you know that area, that anywhere from 11th to 13th round, he's still there. Snatch him up if you're even if you're not getting Gronkowski, because I still think Sudfeld will hold that value. Yeah. yeah, and and that that I think too is is the key is that when you're that late in, in the draft, 
it's it's kind of a why not feeling. I mean, you there's obviously a lot of of, of upside guys that you can select, uh, you know, around that ADP. But at the same time, um, it, Sudfeld certainly should be part of that discussion, given the way the camp, given the way camp has gone, and and the fact that that the Patriots have a clear void. Not necessarily saying that they need to to um, fill Hernandez's uh, role instantly, but uh, you know they they have a void in the receiving game that they need to fill. And and Sunfeld, you know, it, it seems to me from what I've read that uh, he could be the guy. So that's just good confirmation. What about runs like a dad, Jake Ballard? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to be an inline tight end, basically. He's going to block, uh, yeah. and I don't see him having really any value uh, yeah. as as a pass Thank catcher. God. Yeah, I, I mean that's uh, let's let's be obvious. I mean there may be some games where he gets he has a few catches, uh, sure. but they're just going to be chain moving type stuff. And not really uh, red zone stuff because when you you watched last week, uh, the preseason game, Sudfeld was targeted in the red zone, and, and it was sort of a similar, you know, play again out of the slot that they've used both Hernandez and Gronkowski in the yeah. red zone, where you sort of they you know they're off a little bit uh, inside in the slot, they go right down the middle of the field, you know, and and you know that's exactly how they want that mismatch to happen. Where the guy just kind of, you know, uh, a linebacker or a safety comes up, and it's just a complete mismatch with a huge tight end like Sudfeld or Gronkowski, and he's still going to be utilized a lot, I believe. And just everything that I'm hearing from everybody, you know, in New England and all great sources, you know, uh, just you know, Field Yates, you know, Mike Reese. Yeah. Chris Price, all these guys that I'm, you know, that I've talked to pretty much daily on what's going on in New England, they all seem to to think that he's really going to have a big role. So, again, it's it's how much you really believe in his value, sort of sustaining for the rest of the season, and if he stays healthy and he's a kid who has had a lot of injuries, but you know, is really really a hard worker. He's he's sort of has the trust of Brady already. Um, again, I, I just to me, I think he's going to really hold up. As far as the wide receivers go, guys, um, you know, I do like Tompkins, I do like Dobson, but I think those guys, and even to an extent, uh, Edelman, will be more, you know, possession guys, you mm-hmm. know, on the outside. And I think that's how they see them. I think they see the red zone guys being primarily the tight ends and the running backs, essentially. Uh, yeah. You'll see a lot more Vereen. You'll see them punching in at the goal line. They're going to want to run the football a lot. Lunch really played well, and I think, yeah, my God, yeah, and I, and I talked about this the other night, and, De- and you know, Denny can to attest to it because we talked about this on on our podcast. Um, Blunt's looked really good behind this offensive line; he's sort of been rejuvenated. Right. So, if they have again a three-headed monster where they're you know it, trickling him in to the uh, to the offense a little bit to kind of grind it out a little bit, maybe even at the end of game, sort of like Pierre Thomas in in uh, New Orleans. I can see that happening where they just run the football and they look for the big guys in the, in the red zone. And the other guys are sort of the old chain movers that they used to have when, you know, Gibbons and Branch were sort of the, the guys for, for Tom Brady back in the early 2000s. So. Nice. Got Rumford Johnny dropping some Patriot knowledge on the live in the stream. Right, can I ask Love you a it. question real quick about Sudfeld? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is he uh, – Is he? I, I've seen some people say he's a top – you know, top twelve pl- plug and play guy. Um, when uh, it when and if Gronkowski is out for the mm-hmm. first part of the season, do you you agree with that? Absolutely. I think again, you know, 
we, we see how much he's being utilized right now. He's basically going to be taking up some of that role. You know, they'll be splitting him out, especially if he's on the on the field at the same time with Amendola. Amendola's going to be in the slot, and they'll maybe they'll move Sudfeld around a little bit. He, again, he's an excellent blocker, so that really bodes well for him to be on the field a lot. Right. And people, yeah. that's something that people that don't look at the you know the X's and O's of you know how they use utilize players per snap. That Sudfeld will be on the field a lot, and I don't think right. he's going to be taken off the field even you know, in situations where they need him to block on in the running game. So he'll be out there if there, there's a running uh, play being called in Brady audibles and it turns into a pass, Sudfeld's going to be there to, to, you know, get that dump off. So I think he's just going to have a really high volume. So absolutely, I think he's going to be a top, you know, 12 guy. And when Gronkowski comes back, he still has that, again, that, you know, ability to sort of sustain what, what, uh, Hernandez had in that offense because again this is what they really wanted remember before all this stuff happened with with Hernandez they had every intention of making this offense run through the tight ends it's two mm-hmm. big two big you know mismatched tight ends now they have a tight end that's actually even bigger than Hernandez taller yeah. bigger bigger catch radius which makes it unbelievably difficult to defend against now granted he's not as fast as Hernandez but you know, he's still a big, big uh, catch radius guy. He's going to be very, very difficult uh, for people to defend against. So they want to see both of those guys on the field at the same time. So I think that, that his value does sort of hold, even that, even though he's going to be a 12 guy to start, maybe for the first four games or so, he might still be a guy that's in that top, you know, 15, maybe top 18 after it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, in, in a worst case scenario, you could always uh, sell them high. I mean, if there if there are guys in your league that that bought into them completely when when Gronk does come back and they don't really recognize that, that's a perfect opportunity to get something great out of out of a guy that that might drop a few spots moving forward throughout the season. Yeah, I was asked that today actually on Twitter, and uh, somebody just for whatever reason couldn't get that. They, they they weren't absorbing what I was trying to tell them. That's all in this in this situation. It's actually it's one of the few exceptions with Gronkowski where you could actually handcuff somebody because of the sustainability of two tight ends in this offense. Yeah. yeah Whereas you true. can hold on to him if you want to, or you like you you know you said trade them and still get a lot of value for him because you know people are gonna really still look at the viability that he will have some weeks where you know. He'll have some big games. He might have some, you know, he might have 80 yards and two touchdowns one week, you know, which is still, you know, still really viable for a tight end. So, um, again, you know, I I see that going forward, him being sort of what, you know, what Hernandez gave everybody, and which is nothing to sneeze at. He's still going to be a top option. And uh, for me, you know, right now, if you're drafting him, you're getting him that late, and he's still probably going to still hold that value. I think he'll still... Uh, as this conversation kind of trickles down, we'll still see him being drafted in that that range. If he goes way way up, then obviously, you know, if he if he Jordan Cameron's the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we know that we've seen guys leap like two rounds, three rounds. Yeah. Then you might want to just back off a little bit. But if he's still holding, of course you're going to take him. I mean, to me, that's it's silly. And if if you really are not sure, and you want to take another guy, you know, another tight end that you're a little bit more sure about then that's fine as insurance. But, again, you know, this is a streaming podcast, so 
Uh, we can we can find value on the on the wire if we want to. But I just I think this is a rare exception, guys, with somebody that, that certainly could be a top, you know, top option to start. Maybe even one of the top options. Maybe top two, three, four options, mm-hmm. and then like really sustain, you know, that uh, you know that that value later on in the season once Gronk is back. Yeah. Um, so so our general tight end strategy, uh, like I said, is that we we look for a, a, t- a guy that could be a weekly tight end one, but then in a uh, you know worst case scenario situation, we get a guy off the wire or we, we trade for a tight end because they're very easy to get. Uh, but, but there's one tight end that everyone, everyone and their mom are trying to get. Uh, and, and that is that's, that's Jimmy Graham. So Denny, do you, I'll, I'll start with you. Where do you exa- where exactly do you value Jimmy Graham in both a standard and non PPR league or standard and PPR league? Where where would you draft him? I, I just looking at his ADP right now, I'm a little surprised to see that that it's hung around uh, the the end of the second round because I guess you know in more you know type industry fantasy industry type drafts, he's exclusively going at the turn of the first and second round. Um, that's uh, as we've discussed uh, ad nauseum uh, on this pod and. In other places, uh, it, the opportunity cost uh, is is a little much there. Um, in PPR, I actually would take him uh, if I if I had a pick uh, at the beginning of the third round, uh, the very beginning of the third round, and he was still there in PPR. I'm I'm taking him there, uh, but but not not before I just uh, I I couldn't uh, sacrifice that opportunity to. Uh, you know, pick up one of those uh, type running backs, those top 12 or 15 running backs, or uh, probably a top eight wide receiver around that area. Yeah. Johnny, what about you? Where are you taking Graham? Uh, pretty much the same place that uh, that Denny has taken him. But if I can just switch it up with you guys just a little bit with Graham and go to auction values, I know you guys are both big, yeah, yeah. big auction guys. Um, his, his value still right now uh, – is uh, let me just kind of pull this up real quick. He's still about thirty-four dollars average mm-hmm. uh, for tight end, and then Gronk is, is the next highest at average twenty-one dollars. Um, actually, actually, that was ten teams. So let me pull this up to twelve teams. Sorry about that. Um, actually, yeah, Graham thirty-nine dollars and Gronkowski twenty-nine. So when you look at the you know the average where Graham is, he's really is the basically the the one of the top wide receivers. Probably not right. Maybe the top two or three, as yeah. far as wide receiver is concerned. So if you see him as a top wide receiver, then you know taking him at that turn isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but I still, again, I agree with Denny. I'd rather have him in the third round, but I see why people are taking him in that spot because he's being looked at like Calvin Johnson, like Des Bryant in terms of value. And you know if you're getting him in that spot at the turn, then he's probably going to continue to keep, you know, being drafted if, even if you don't take him yeah. in that spot. It's, it's a matter of wh- whether or not you think that value will hold. And I'm, I'm still skeptical a little bit that he will. I mean, I, I, I think he's um, a monster, a huge target, but there's still, you know, that, that situation with, with Drew Brees that he can at times because he's just so efficient, he will kind of spread the ball around a little bit. And just yeah. turn and like Brady, just turn new receivers into these guys that just kind of pull up out of nowhere and have two touchdowns. You know, we we we've seen the Devery Hendersons of the world pull 
pull stuff out of the air. And I think, um, you know, that's kind of what's a little concerning with him, where in some offenses, like a Des Bryant, you know, you know, in, in Dallas, where he's clearly the guy, you know, and Calvin Johnson, clearly the guy in Detroit. And there's no argument there with you know, Graham. We know he's the guy, but there's a definitely a situation where they could be, you know, defenses could be looking to shut him down and, and, you know, really opening things up for everybody else. And, uh, we haven't really seen that yet. I mean, we've seen mostly one-on-ones with Jimmy Graham. We haven't seen a lot of, you know, bracket, uh, deep safety stuff with Jimmy Graham. And I think yeah. that's, that's interesting to see this year, how defenses will treat him. You know, if they treat him like the number one, because again, if Colson's healthy, Colson's still a, a huge target in that offense. And, you know, how will teams sort of treat Jimmy Graham going forward? If they treat him like the one that he should be, like they treat Gronkowski in New England, then um, it might make things a little different. So, But I don't know. I, I still think he is, you know, somebody that people are going to be targeting at, at the, the, you know, the turn in the second round. But I'm still somebody that would like to wait, like Denny. I think that's probably the best option. Yeah, you know, one thing that that – that people I think need to recognize is if you're going to draft Jimmy Graham as early as the early second round and and even into the first, which some people are doing, Mm -hmm. you really, you really have to feel confident that Jimmy Graham is going to be better than he was in 2011. That is the, that, that really is uh, the only way uh, that he would live up to that ADP. And not only that, but he can't really, I mean, the, the thing about Jimmy Graham in 2011 was that he was unbelievably consistent. It was incredible. I think he had he had only one game where where he scored like four points, and every other game was was uh, seven or more points. And the, uh, he had tons of double digit games. And, and and but you know, and you kind of mentioned this, Johnny. You know, you're you're a lot of people are thinking of Graham as a as a wide receiver, which is fine because he can he he's he's not the prototypical tight end. But but the the problem with that thinking is that the receiver position is in much higher demand from a fantasy football draft perspective. Mm-hmm. So because you can't slot Jimmy Graham in as a wide receiver, and because he's a tight end, which is a much more replaceable position, and and you can only play one of them, it's kind of a a reverse way of thinking. But he actually he loses a little bit of value because he's a tight end. Because instead of him playing wide receiver, which is hard to to get a guy maybe playing that wide wide receiver three slot in your lineup every week that's going to put up a lot of points, you're now you're now only having to fill one tight end spot, which you know with with streaming. Not to say that it's easy because tight end is very very unpredictable compared to quarterback and defense from a week to week perspective. But but there's certainly a way to uh, kind of build and, and create that tight end Frankenstein as as Denny once said a while back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to build that Frankenstein and create a tight end monster that could actually, I don't want to say outproduce Jimmy Graham, that's not really fair, but to, you know, to put together, you know, maybe a tight end six numbers, which in the end, considering you're getting that tight end for free at the end of your draft is huge value because now you're building your wide receivers and your running backs. So that's my argument, uh, you know, against Jimmy Graham. I understand the argument for Jimmy Graham because you, you now, you know, if you draft him, you don't have to give two craps about, about your tight end position the entire season. And so, so with that, you know, you're, you're obviously able to, to just kind of leave it put and let it be and have this monster just accumulate points for you uh, throughout the season. But realistically, the math really says that he needs to be, you know, 2011 version or better in order for him to, to live up to that ADP. So, 
I think, you know, I did my rankings. I have him as like a, a early to mid third round PPR value, which, you know, is, is even high given the way that I think about this kind of stuff. Um, but that, that, that shows you that I do think that he's going to be a very, very good tight end mm-hmm. uh, this season statistically. We all, but at the, sorry. Yeah, I mean, we, we all do. You're right. Yeah. Go ahead, Denny. Go yeah. ahead. No, 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 no one's rooting against Jimmy Graham, just so everyone's clear. I feel like when I talk about him on Twitter, I, I come off as a hater, and I'm not. I, I mm. think he's an amazing player and an unbelievable fantasy asset. But we all want equity built into, uh, you know, into where we draft guys. And uh, I, there, there is very little equity that you're going to get if you're drafting Jimmy Graham with you know, the first pick of the second round or the last pick of the first yeah. round. You know, the, he has to have that perfect season. You're, you're banking on him having mm-hmm. a perfect season and, and I don't I don't want to bank on that. Yeah, and, and to the to the opportunity cost point that you were making, Denny, one other thing, and I had the uh, conversation with Silva about this, is if you're if you're going to draft Jimmy Graham in, in the first round or the second round, you have to be very, very confident with your ability to pinpoint running back talent in the fifth round and in, in the sixth round. And and it's not so much that uh it's more so playing the probability game because you know us three might go running back, running back, and then get another one in the fourth round because we're we're trying to to make sure and secure two RB uh, an RB one and RB two. Whereas someone drafting Jimmy Graham, they now are, are essentially you know their RB one is the equivalent to our our RB two. And if we're continuously building this running back library in a way, and if I'm picking Eddie Lacy in the fifth round as my RB three. That's a lot less risky than someone picking Eddie Lacy in the fifth round with Jimmy Graham as their RB two. I mean, it's 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 that simple. And and because of that, you you have to be confident in a guy like Eddie Lacy or someone like Daryl Richardson if you're going to get Jimmy Graham early on in the draft. Anyway, all right, so that's that's Jimmy Graham. I always get fired up with Jimmy Graham. You do. <laughs> so fired up. I think my dog's like my my dog's staring at me right now. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> how do you, how can you talk about Jimmy Graham for that long? Anyway, uh, so so we came into the podcast hopefully prepared with a couple uh, late round tight ends to just kind of talk through. We had a lot of uh, uh, people on Twitter asking some questions, so we'll get to that. Um, Denny, do you want to just kind of talk through one of the guys that that you uh, are targeting late in drafts this season? Sure. I mean. We we spent a lot of time talking about guys who have moved up the board um, in the in the past three or four weeks. Uh, so I, I was going to talk about two guys uh, that we really haven't touched on much at all that I can remember here. But uh, first guy is Owen Daniels uh, yeah. going at the end of the eleventh round. Um, I think he's just one of these kind of ho hum kind of guys, not really exciting. He's you know, considered we we always consider Houston a pass first. Um, I'm sorry, a run first team. And but as you as you pointed out in your number fire article, and I think actually in the last episode of Living the Stream, uh, that Matt Schaub actually does throw it quite a bit, and probably with their running game in the condition that it's in right now, is going to throw it a lot more uh, yeah. this year. So he's probably. I mean, it's not. Tell me if this is crazy. I don't think it is, but he might push up on 600 passes this year. Is that is that no, I I could see I could see him at least throwing five eighty if because yeah. because he threw what like four forty five or something last mm-hmm. year. I don't think it's out of the question to think that he can throw uh, five hundred eighty times. The big and the big thing with Daniels to me and and Johnny, I know that you can you can definitely contribute a lot here because of the DeAndre uh, Hopkins edition. But mm-hmm. I think I think that that could 
really open things up potentially in the red zone uh, for them in general Mm -hmm. Uh, because they didn't have a guy opposite of Andre. They've never had a guy opposite of Andre Johnson uh, in the red zone, which is why Owen Daniels was, was looked at. So whether it opens it up for Daniels or Hopkins, I think that's, that's to be seen. But what are your thoughts on that, Johnny? Yeah, I I think it will. And actually uh, you guys are talking about pass attempts. I know uh, we touched on this a little bit last night that uh, Lance Zerline from the uh, the sideline view was really dialed into the uh, the Texans. Uh, thinks yeah. that uh, you know Schaub is probably going to pass uh, upwards of, of 560, 580, and I think that's you know that definitely changes the complexion of the offense with the uncertainty of, of Arian Foster and uh, that running back rotation. I mean, again, adding in Hopkins with everybody sort of healthy, and of course you have to sort of fend off the you know, the, uh, the Colts in the division, I mean, they, they, you know, they're going to be a passing offense. We know that. So if they want to compete with the Joneses, so to speak, then they're going to have to score some points and not rely so heavily on their run. Uh, you know, and I think that's, you know, just by default, because we, we don't know what's going on with, with Foster. So I do think there's certain, certainly uh value in, in Daniels. My issue with Daniels is that his history is very, sort of like you couldn't, you know, you really can't rely on him, you know. He's sort of oh, like yeah. that deadbeat dad. Hey, I'm going to be at your birthday party. Okay. All right, dad. I'll see you there. And he doesn't show up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, that's kind of how I feel about Owen Daniels. But, Jeez, that, uh, that got really dark really quick. Yeah, it got real dark, man. No, not, <laughs> not that I'm, I've experienced this or anything, but I'm just saying uh, that's kind of how you feel about Owen Daniels. Like you have expectations <laughs> for him, you know. It's kind of like that movie Liar Liar, you know, with Jim Carrey. <laughs> you really you want him to show up and, and play, play catch with his little toe-headed kid, but he doesn't. You know, he's at, at work trying to, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, one of his clients. But that's kind of, that's yeah, how I... Attorney. Yeah, there you go. But, um, yeah, that's how I feel about him. But I think, again, there's so many, you know, late-round tight ends guys that have a lot of upside, and I don't think... When when it's all said and done, when we're looking at numbers, that's going to be a lot of differenti- differentiation between right. scoring for these guys. And we just talked about Jimmy Graham. You know, again, and I go back to auction values, guys. I hate to kind of change course a little bit, but no, it's, good. it's a good way for me to sort of look at the numbers. Again, Jimmy Graham is being valued as a, a wide receiver one, you know, a top right. wide receiver one, $39, which puts him in basically A.J. Green territory in auctions, okay? Now we get down to sort of, Somebody we talked about before, Jordan Cameron, still averaging about five dollars in auctions, okay? Right. Which could be higher, of course, anywhere from five to eight. But now you look at somebody like Sudfeld, a couple of bucks, you know, two dollars. Mm-hmm. So now you average those two out. You're still way ahead of the curve if you have those two tight ends to, to Denny's strategy of, of sort of building that tight end monster. Now you have these two guys. You could probably, you know, really sort of you know, develop enough value between the two of them to really For sure. exceed what you're going to be getting from Graham, yet really go nuts at the wide receiver position or, or running back position. And I, to me, it's just insane. I mean, because it, it, for, as far as tight ends are concerned, there's absolutely very little chance that I'm going to be taking a tight end early, especially if Graham goes way too high or if Gronkowski right. goes too high. Um, I'm just going to sit back and wait because – there's just so many guys that you know are going for a dollar basically yeah. in auctions, and Dwayne Allen's still a guy that's kind of buried right now. Oh, Colby, we're not we can't we're not talking about the Colts, Johnny. 
We can't talk about Kobe Fleener. Well, no, we, we will, and we will. This is going to be sort of an intervention, okay? We're going to talk about Kobe we, Fleener. We, yeah, we need to talk this out. We're going to talk this out, man. We're going to tweet this out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, it, listen, with, with Fleener, it is it is annoying and aggravating that he's not putting it together. And, again, I uh, and you're gonna, we're going to drop in a Davis Maddock drop in this one right now. Davis Maddock. Because, uh, because I did have this discussion with him on Twitter. About about Kobe Fleener, he is a guy that, for all intents and purposes, should put it together. But he's yeah. right now in, in the short sort of frame framework that we're seeing in those two games, he hasn't. And I don't know what's going on with him. Again, how about how about that that crossing route when 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 he just uh, wasn't looking? That was that, that, yeah, that play. I just, I just turned off the TV. I couldn't even handle it. Yeah, but that's the stuff. That's his bread and butter. Now, mind you, yeah. this is this is how he made his name in the draft at Stanford, running that route. The fact yeah. that he's not putting that together is kind of troubling. The fact that he's, you know, not concentrating. I mean, like, you know, Andrew Luck is, like, firing these lasers in tight windows, and he just, mm-hmm. you know, right in his hands, and he's, he's dropping balls. So, again, it's a, short, a small sample, but this coming week is the big week. We will see a lot of him, hopefully. Yeah. So- so right now, right now you're still buying Fleener, though. I still am because of where he is, and because of the fact that he's looking so p- poor right now that people, you know, he's he hasn't moved up at all. Yeah. You know, I think he will. So I'm still buying him. I'd rather have a, him as a tight end too. If you like, again, as Denny points out, and we're going to be using this tight end monster thing a lot too. Denny just like with the onesie man, he's just like throwing out all these little <laughs> catchphrases. It's un- unbelievable. But um, yeah, I see him as somebody that you might want as your as your second tight end um, because he is somebody that could catch fire later on if he yeah. starts to you know put it all together. But he's it's kind of troubling because if Allen comes back, because this offense still is very much you know tight end friendly, right. that he could be a guy that catches you know ten touchdowns and you know has seventy catches. I mean that's and, and, it could be mad for you. To your point about Sudfeld, it's kind of a similar. It's it's I, I think of it kind of in the, in the Dwayne Allen perspective because he's the better blocker of the two. Mm-hmm. And but, but I mean at the same time we're gonna see we're gonna see those two tight end sets uh, in in Pep's offense. But yeah. Dwayne Allen's the better blocker of the two. He mm-hmm. could he he should and could easily be on the field more often, which is not necessarily good right. if Fleener can't get it together. And, and especially if T Y Hilton, from what we've seen so far where he's yeah. just been unbelievable, that they'll want to maybe come out with more three-wide receiver sets. So in in Indy, there could be a situation with this this three-wide receivers of one tight end. And yeah. that could be maddening because ultimately, you know, the talk was about two tight ends and they could be rotating in and out. So And, 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 it, and it actually is, it's, I mean, it's obviously because Fleener is, isn't playing well, but it's also because of Darius Hayward Bay, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a shame. Right. Which is a shame that, that that this is all our our uh, our pain is because of Darius Hayward Bay. Yeah, and he's not very. And I talked about this yesterday with 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 Denny too on our podcast that he's just he's a guy like he's what we've seen so far in the preseason. He's just sort of this reliable, you know, outlet. And it's hard to really kind of make a comparison of who he is right now. But maybe yeah. he's like Brandon Gibson. Yeah. Okay? Which is kind of maddening to even say those words right now, but um, well, that's who I he think, is. He's just sort of this weird, reliable guy that's not going to score any touchdowns. Maybe we'll catch a few passes in bulk one week and then disappear. Maybe that catches another five or six one week. That's who he is. 
And if he's reliable enough, he's going to get playing time, and it might be the detriment of T.Y. Hilton. But if you let, if you know, again, it's go big or go home in, in fantasy football. If you really believe in the talent, and we talked about this with Jimmy Graham, you believe in the talent of T.Y. Hilton, you know at some point he's going to force yeah. the coaching staff to put his ass on the field right. and, and, and really score touchdowns for them because he's by far the superior wide receiver. Oh, yeah, right. right. So, I mean, but that's why we have to really, again, I talked about this uh, on our podcast last night. People that poo-poo the, the, the preseason really need to pay attention. Uh, it, yeah. It's because a lot of this stuff will play out, especially this week coming, guys. Week three is when all the starters play well into the third quarter. So you're going to see a lot of trust. You're going to see a lot of guys being targeted uh, X amount of times. And, you know, who's the guy? You know, who's the guy that they trust? Who's the guy that they trust at the goal line? Who's the guy that they, they target in the red zone? You're going to start to form your opinions about who you're going to target in your fantasy drafts based on this week. Because then next week, it's just going to be like Rex Grossman for four quarters. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right, and nobody's right. going to care. So... Now's the you know now's the time really to kind of pay attention really really closely for some of these money situations to sort of you know clarify a little bit. Yeah, Danny, do you have another tight end that you just that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, yeah, just real quick uh, with Daniels, uh, I was surprised to see that he he drew almost seven targets a game last year in fifteen games. Uh, that was more than I than I expected. Yeah, that's yeah. His catch rate stunk, but um, it, <laughs> it was sixty three percent, which I don't really think of him as, um, you know, as as a guy who would post that kind of inefficient <clears throat> number. But but anyway, I mean, seven targets a game for a guy you can get uh, on the cheap like that isn't bad. And and it brings me to the second guy, Brandon Pettigrew, and I know he's an annual tease, fantasy tease, <laughs> because you know. The guy, look at the guy plays in an offense that is probably going to throw it what six hundred ninety nine times this year, and um, you know he gets a lot of looks. I mean he uh, he averaged seven point four targets in thirteen games last year. He doesn't do much with those targets, but you know in PPR, I think that he actually could be a, a really nice uh like you know committee or streaming option and again you know just like owens you can get them for really i mean actually much cheaper pettigrew's going in the middle of the 13th round after after tyler eifert and i think that's a little that that might be a little crazy i think i would take pettigrew over eifert yeah i mean we'll get we'll definitely get into eifert a little bit later on but that pettigrew is a guy that that is is almost perfect for for streaming in a way i mean he has a he has a pretty high floor that people don't realize just because he's in the offense that he's in and I I mean he he's not he's definitely not a sexy pick but he's mm. he he doesn't have an immense he doesn't have the kind of upside that uh, of the guys that we've been talking about necessarily but he's definitely someone that you know whenever you, think of it this way whenever you're drafting your team you're drafting for week one in a way right and and you don't know how a guy like Tyler Eifert or uh, you know. Not necessarily Zach Sudfeld, just because he he clearly has the opportunity. But maybe some of those uh, some of those late round guys, you don't necessarily know how they're going to do uh, during the regular season. But Brandon Pettigrew could be a guy that you kind of know what you're getting. You're going to get maybe 60 yards from him week one, and that's fine for your tight end spot, just to kind of feel things out a little bit and uh, just try to get some points in the, right. at tight end. Yeah, and I would say that Pettigrew, uh, and I was surprised to see this too, was seventh in tight end targets in just 13 games last year. Seventh. 
And yeah. in 2011, when he played 16 games, he was third behind only Gronk and Graham, which just blew my mind. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, before we move on to some of the, the questions and such, I the one guy I wanted to bring up real quick was Fred Davis, mm. who he is – the reason he's not getting any love is because he's hurt all the time. Uh, but uh, I did I did some work over at Number Fire using the, the advanced uh, metrics that they've got with the, the expected points data – and uh, last year, he ranked third in the NFL in receiving that expected points per target, meaning on each target, I think it was only Heath Miller and Rob Gronkowski were adding more points towards towards their particular team's uh, total than Fred Davis was before Fred Davis went down. Uh, and then uh, the year before that, he had the same uh, expected points uh, per, per target as, as Aaron Hernandez, which is obviously good. And then the year before that, he was second in the league in, in that same metric. So... I think that Fred Davis, we could we could really be talking about a perennial number one tight end if Fred Davis could be consistent and not get hurt. Uh, but but you know, so that's the that's that's the reason he's a late round tight end, I believe, is because he he gets hurt and he hasn't stayed on the field. Uh, but that's a risk that you should take in in the late rounds because you could get a guy that that would be an every week starter. JJ, I got two more uh, two more guys too to just add real quickly. Yeah, uh, Ed Dixon's back at practice. Um, so yeah, somebody, somebody to keep an eye on. He's going undrafted now because of the injury. So uh, somebody to still still uh, look at for streaming purposes. And Charles Clay in Miami. Oh, I mean, we're, we're all kind of like, you know, really upset about Dustin Keller because he was, I know a lot of us were targeting him uh, late and he was, you know, really coming off the board late in mocks. Um, we saw how much Tannehill really targeted the tight end. He's he's more of an H back. He's six three, two fifty. So he's a guy that could really be busy in this offense because he just really isn't anybody to throw to. And I yeah. think uh, you know he's a guy that really could surprise a lot of people. So again, going undrafted as we speak. So uh, certainly yeah. a good streaming. That's up. an interesting. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. What do you guys? I'll start with with uh, Johnny on this one. What do you guys feel about Julius Thomas? We haven't talked about him yet. Yeah, I I, I like him. I think it's interesting because you know when we look at this defense, you know we know that Von Miller now is going to be out for six games. They're going to be in a lot of shootouts, mm-hmm. and they're going to need every man. Everybody's going to have to step up in this offense. They're going to have to score a lot of points. I kind of look at them now. This decimated defense as you know a lot like the Patriots where you know they they had in you know the last couple of years they've had to score a lot of points early yeah. in games and I can see that happening that's why I'm really kind of skeptical about the the running game but we'll you know that's uh something for another show but um <laughs> as far as the uh Thomas I think he has value I mean Walker right now is is dinged up and you know he is again not to not to knock his production but he is you know, Patriots saw something that they thought maybe he was kind of crossing over a little bit uh, in mm-hmm. terms of where he produced. And now when you get another huge target like like Thomas, you know, Peyton Manning is going to love to throw to some, you know, a big target in the red zone. So I think, you know, for him, he's a guy certainly that uh, tight end 37 right now. Uh, yeah, that's insane. I mean, that, that's crazy, crazy that's value. Nuts. So. And uh, a guy like Ladarius Green, too, another guy, even though we're not as in love with that offense, obviously, tight end 44, right. guys like that that sort of have that sneaky value because um, they're just these big physical targets. And, you yeah. know, we're seeing something in the preseason where at least they're kind of catching a little bit of heat. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. Thomas, I think, has some value because, again, odd man out is going to be, you know, these other guys are going to get, you know, going to get, 
see bracket coverage. One week it'll be Thomas. One week it'll be Decker. You know, and they're gonna they're gonna put somebody on on Welker to try to stop him. So mm-hmm. who's gonna be the you know the odd man that's gonna be uh, you know one on one in a mismatch? You know, big Julius Thomas, who's again another guy a lot you know like Jimmy Graham, a lot like Tony Gonzalez. That's a former basketball player. You yeah. know, big physical freak that is gonna be there in the red zone. So you can't really poo poo that that red zone production, man. Yeah. Uh, Denny, let's uh, let's move on to some of the the questions that that we got on Twitter. One of them was from our buddy Rich Rebar, who he just wanted us to talk about. He actually just basically had a talking point for us. Uh-huh. He he wanted us to to crap on Vernon Davis. So how do you how, how do you Denny how how are you feeling about Vernon Davis and his negative three round three ADP? Right. Well, I mean. Uh... He's chosen before the draft starts. Uh, yeah, he's, exactly. <laughs> he's going before everyone. Uh, well, Rich wants me to say that Vernon Davis is going to be strictly uh, in a blocking role all season, and the 49ers Always. are going to run it 49 times a game. So yeah. uh, so there you go, Rich. But, uh, you know, I mean, on a more serious note, I think that he's, he's, he's clearly going to be a target hog uh, as much as you can be in that offense. Um, he's not going to play wide receiver like we were all talking about a month ago. Not all of us, but a lot of us, uh, because there were reports about you know him lining up wide in in Michael Crabtree's absence. Uh, so that's not happening. But that doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, you know, his value never hinged on him playing wide receiver. So um, I um, I think he you know he's in the elite group, and uh, I think go, him going in the sixth. I I don't have a problem with that really. I'm probably not taking him there, but I couldn't blame someone. Let me let me just read you the the famous uh, final seven games before the NFC Championship reception stat line by Vernon Davis. He had zero two one 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 before the NFC Championship hit. Now, the 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 problem that I have with Vernon Davis, and I understand that they they. They don't have necessarily the same receiving options that they have in the past. And Colin Kaepernick is not the same type of quarterback that they've had in the past. And now Kaepernick is, has a whole offseason being the starter. But we've seen this before with Vernon Davis. He's, he's performed in the postseason and, and not shown up in the regular season from a fantasy perspective. He's the and, and, uh, Joe Flacco of tight ends is what you're saying. Yeah, that's, exact, that's, that's a great analogy. It's, it's super true. And that, that's part of the reason that I'm reluctant to get super excited about him. I mean, I under, like you said, Denny, I mean, I don't think either of us are going to draft him. But, and, and, like, we get the allure. But at the same time, it's like, it's like guys, we've been, I mean, we've been fooled by this guy before. Yeah. Let's not, let's, let's not get, get overly excited about this situation. I mean, I've seen him. People are drafting him in the fourth round. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And when you consider when you consider uh, not only the position that he's playing in fantasy, but the the kind of talent that's going off the board around them, that is borderline absurd from from a value perspective. If if I can give uh, just a word on on Julius Thomas, uh, and, oh yeah, and I and I will say I think people should know Julius Thomas uh, plays for the Broncos. I don't know if you guys know that because I don't think anyone <laughs> knew that. Uh, until about 20 minutes ago so um he he, but he really is i really believe he is a legit sleeper uh uh, i can't believe well i can believe he's going that late i don't think he will be going that late in early september Mm. and uh uh, peyton manning actually said that he uh mistakes him demarius thomas and julius thomas because they're they're built so so similarly and they really are 
Um, and uh, when when he was throwing to Julius Thomas uh, against Seattle a couple times, I thought ju- just my first instinct was, oh, there's Demarius. But you yeah. know, but it was Julius, and I think that that's that's that says a lot about how he's built. You know, just his physicality. Um, uh, and also, uh, G- uh, Gil Brandt said on on Twitter today, just this morning, he said, um, you know, if I were to play fantasy football, I would be targeting Julius Thomas. Uh, because uh, Peyton's going to throw it to him a lot this year. Now, this could be kind of a, you know, Peter King situation where, <laughs> you know, you get advice from a, a real football guy. But, um, but I, 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 I well, don't... you know, I will say this though, Denny, mm-hmm. Gil Brandt is a real football guy. Maybe not, a, not maybe not a fantasy football guy. But oh. Peter, Peter King's a great writer. But 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 Gil Brandt's he's been there. He's evaluated great players. He's put put guys on the on the field that. Are in the Hall of Fame, so I'll, I'll take him over Peter King just, yeah, just for that too. comparison, though. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, me too. And I just I don't know if he if he understands you know like fantasy value yeah. and whatnot like like King doesn't obviously. But uh, Gil Brandt, Gil Brandt's microwave is flashing midnight right now as we speak. I mean, you know, as far as that's concerned, he doesn't know what fantasy football is at all. I think, but yeah. still, all he right. knows how to evaluate players. I think. Well, well, he he loves him some Julius Thomas. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so I'll I'll get to some Twitter questions now. Uh, we'll we'll try to go through through these quick because we uh, we all still have to rant. Uh, nice. But um, so I'll go to uh, to Denny first with this. Denny, where do you have Jared Cook ranked? Um, tight end eight. Tight end eight. So low end tight end one. Do we all agree with that? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I think that, I mean there's probably gonna be some growing pains there potentially. That I mean he's not. He's not necessarily a, uh, a a guy that we're gonna plug and play every week. Uh, so I'll go to Johnny next. Where now would you target uh, Jordan Cameron? And and I should say, as I say that his ADP is now I think in the in the ni- So it's nine point one one. So the end of the ninth round. Where would you target Jordan Cameron? I I prefer to have him. I mean, again, most tight ends anyway. And I think you guys would probably agree. Probably somewhere from like the tenth round, maybe even the the eleventh round and beyond. I, I mean, yeah. I'm more comfortable with the eleventh round and beyond. So if he's yeah. going that high, there's there's probably a good chance that a I'm going to get a quarterback in that right. round, or potentially uh, another my, my third wide receiver or some really good wide receiver depth at yeah. that point. So you have to kind of have confidence that Jordan Cameron's going to match what your third wide receiver is going to be, or perhaps, you know, be as valuable as potentially your quarterback yeah. in that spot. So, you know, I'd like him a little bit later, uh, maybe a round or two later, possibly. Denny, do you, uh, do, where would you take Cameron? Uh, it's, I mean, it, I, I guess right now um, he's going at the end of the ninth. I, I, I would take him, I would take him in the 10th round. Okay. Uh, this question, this is for you, Denny. This is from uh, this guy, Rifo18. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, he said, if Nate Burleson was edu- eligible at tight end, where among the top three tight ends would you take him? <laughs> I think I would uh, I would definitely take him after Ryan Broyles, if Broyles was <laughs> able to play tight end as well. Nice. Um, no, I, I I don't even know that guy. Get, get, can, you, can you just... <laughs> Can you just block him from from, <laughs> from our podcast, please? Sorry, had to do it. 
All right, uh, I'll do one more. Uh, this one's from Router Mechanic. So if you guys have a busted router, uh, check nice. out Router Mechanic. He can help you out. Uh, he said, uh, Johnny, I'll go to you with this. Do you think rookie tight ends like Ertz and Eifert can be fantasy relevant despite rookie tight ends rarely produce? Yeah, I think we have to we have to sort of kind of uh, you know free our minds a little bit. Uh, like Destiny's Child was that Destiny's Child? I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, and I just raised my voice. I was like, was that Destiny's Child? But anyway, um, yeah, it could. I mean, I think we have to look at again the sort of the inception of, of Chip Kelly and the way some of these tight ends are being used. Guys, we kind of talked talked about this a little bit earlier. You know, with Sudfeld being more of a, a move slot slash, you know, H back uh, tight end. I think a lot of these guys are being utilized in a way. Now, a guy like Gertz, I was down on, but in Chip Kelly's offense, I don't know if you saw our yeah. buddy Steve Palazzo from uh, Palazzolo, excuse me, uh, from Pro Football Focus, who yeah. said that uh, he had lined up on several different positions. And the yeah. offense on the, you know as a slot you know receiver even in the backfield again a lot like Hernandez was used too in New England you know split out wide I mean you have to sort of look at these guys saying they'll have some viability because of the way they're being utilized in the offense and that they're going to be targeted in that sense how much I don't know but I still think that some of the way the offenses are morphing a little bit that some of these guys that are sort of, you know, the hybrid tight ends are going to have value. Yeah. And, you know, so we, we can't just completely close our mind off and say, well, yeah, the big tight end, classic, you know, big, you know, whatever. Those guys sort of have to build up some sort of rapport with a quarterback. But the guys that are being u- utilized as slot receivers a little bit, those mm-hmm. guys you kind of have to really, you know, you have to respect a little bit that they're going to be, uh, utilized a little bit more initially to start. And, yeah. and again, because we saw that with Hernandez in New England. You know, we've yeah. seen that in other teams where, where the tight end is more of a slot receiver. And I think that's, uh, that's something that will be very valuable in PPR. I, the one thing that I do want to say before we uh, move on to, to ranting is, um, you know, especially with tight ends, I think that it, it's very, very helpful to know this information about a guy like Ertz or Eifert or, or Julius Thomas because you don't necessarily need to draft them, but the instant you know they might go off, uh, you're ready to pick them up because you know more about them than, than your league mates do. So your league mates might be turned off and think that it's fluky, but because you know, you know this information and you've, you've listened to this or you've read stuff on these guys, it's important to know that because you're ready to just pounce on them you know, the instant that they, they might go off before they're mm-hmm. actually on your team. So I think at tight end, especially because they're not rostered nearly as much as a wide receiver or running back, tight end is, is the one position where that really, really comes in handy. And that's why, again, JJ, this is why our, the you know, fantasy football, you know, folks, for, for lack of a better word, now really have to kind of pay attention and watch games, you know, on NFL Rewind, and kind of really see how people are being utilized. Hey, 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 Johnny, Johnny, actually, before you go on, let's uh, let's uh, propose to you that you rant about this. Oh, really? We want you to rant about the the classic uh, clash between numbers and film. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, great, perfect. Um, we, we want we this is so so for for everyone listening. Johnny, Johnny and I were talking, and, and we're, we basically said we're going to come up with something for you on the spot and to just talk about for a couple of minutes. And 
I think uh, Denny and I agreed. Correct, Denny? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Get your popcorn ready. We want to hear this. It's all ready. So do it to it, Johnny. All Let right. us know because you were about to get into it. I know you were. Oh, absolutely. Here's here's yeah. my here's my rant about that. And I know okay. I know you guys are, are are sort of on that forefront of of melding the two together. You know, making that grilled yeah. cheese of, of of stats and oh, yeah. and information and, and watching film and, and seeing how guys are utilized. You guys do it all here, but there are some people still that are sort of caught up on one side and the other side. The curmudgeonly. You know, I'm only watching film, and the other guys that are like, I'm only looking at the stats. You don't marry the two. You don't really come together. If you're not like, you know, if you don't have the rainbow, the Jesse Jackson rainbow coalition of the two, you put the two together, then it doesn't work. Not in today's NFL. Why doesn't it work, guys? Because you don't see certain things. You don't see that Kobe Fleener that we just talked about cut off his route. You say, well, I, I'm still high on Kobe Fleener and this and that. Well, something psychologically might be wrong with Kobe Fleener. Maybe he's got a little something going on. Maybe at home, his old lady's giving him a problem, and he's just not putting together on the field. You want to draft that guy? Maybe he needs a little counseling. Maybe he goes to counseling, he gets it all together, and boom, he shoots off the map. That's Kobe Fleener if he gets it all together. If he doesn't get it all together, then you're not drafting that guy. Now, but you have to see how he's being utilized. Is he being utilized in the slot? Is he, is he splitting out wide? I mean, all these different things. Utilization of a certain player is certainly something that's advantageous to the fantasy football player, but you're not seeing that if you're just looking at stats. You're seeing he caught five passes, but where did he catch those five passes? Was he lined up in the backfield? Was he split out wide? Was he targeted in the red zone? Was he used in the red zone as a blocker? Was he used as a receiver? You don't see that in a bunch of stats. Okay, unless you're looking at specific premium stats at Pro Football Focus, and I'm not a show for them, but I'm showing for them anyway. Right now, you need to understand exactly how guys are being utilized, and that you need to marry the two together. The two have to come together. Like I said, the Rainbow Coalition, Jesse Jackson, everybody come together, shaking hands. There you go. It's all good. All right. That's my first minute. Hey, hey. Boom. That was that was gorgeous. Danny, what, what were you gonna say? Johnny is a uniter, not a divider. This is what I this is why I voted. That's right. That's true. And I, I I'm I'm actually like I mean it, it to me that, that whole I mean, we, we could talk about this for, for days, but that whole that whole debate, obviously I'm I'm good at analyzing with numbers, right? But that doesn't mean I can't take the information that other film watchers have have watched and looked at and use that to my advantage, or just watch myself with a. Not to say that I can dissect film the way some of these guys do, but if but I you know I see Kobe Fleener looking like an idiot out on the field, so obviously I'm going to say something about or or do something about that. So I, I hear you, Johnny. I hear you. Nice, uh, Denny. Denny, what do you got to say? My rant is short, and it starts like this. I don't know how to answer your 10-team league questions. Yes! I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm lost. I just, I, like, when, you, when you're like, look it, I have Brady, RG3, Doug Martin, <laughs> Reggie Bush, Alfred Morris. You know, I, I, I have Dez, Julio, and Andre, and I'm like, I, I don't, you know, what, what is that? Are you asking who to drop? I, I, I mean... I have no idea who to tell you who to drop. When when I when when the answer is drop Andre Johnson, then your league is too easy. <laughs> your league is way too. E- I mean, nice. you got to challenge yourself a little bit here. 
Uh, I mean, you know, eight team leagues. I, I don't even know what what you're doing, but ten. It, I ten. I just I don't. I, I get these keeper questions. You know, who who do you know who do I keep? Uh, 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 Brady or Breeze? And I'm like, uh, well, I guess Breeze. But God, that stinks that you have to put Brady back on the wire. I, I, anyway, let, let's let's move on. Let's let's graduate. Graduate to twelve team to fourteen team leagues. It, it'll make the game so much. Uh, more challenging and more interesting to you than, than to just have a stacked team because you know you have a stacked team everybody else does too so let's 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 get away from that because i don't i honestly don't even know how to answer those questions anymore beautiful and, and it, this year especially my god the every position so deep you can't it, it, I, I tweeted today if you have a gap in a 10 team league and on your team there's something wrong right yeah i, I mean I, I don't wrong. like when I had one today where I was like, drop Alfred Morris. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, Denny, I remember talking to you about what I'm about to, to go off on because it frustrates the crap out of me. So tonight I'm going to rant about the people on Twitter who put little wingding non-alphanumeric characters in their Twitter name. Ayo. So I don't care if you like baseball. I don't need to see baseball, baseball, John Smith, baseball, baseball <laughs> as your name. Your your name is freaking John Smith, and your baseballs make you look like a 12-year-old girl. So if you want credibility, you got to remove them because no one's going to take you seriously until you do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, but how else could you communicate that you like like us? <laughs> I don't know. We need to put – I think we all need to put footballs as our name. I mean, that's next to our name, gonna do. I don't know. JJ Zach, maybe put, maybe I'll put the first A in my last name as a football. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, that would be great. Yeah, good rant. I just that, that was quick, but I need to get it out, man. Yeah, that 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 thing just that that pisses me off. I get mad about two things in life: non-alphanumeric characters and Twitter names, and Jimmy Graham. <laughs> you are furious about Graham. <laughs> that's just right. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, I think that uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Johnny, uh, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Two Mugs FF uh, on our site, and uh, check out my buddy Rifo, who, who tweeted that awful question about uh, Nate Burleson <laughs> at Rifo eighteen, and me at Run for Johnny, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure having you on, man. Hopefully, we'll uh, do it again soon for sure. Thanks, guys. It was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Denny, where where can they find you, buddy? Uh, at CD Carter 13 on the Twitters. Um, and I write for sport sportsjerks.net. Um, I'm actually going to have a Julius Thomas article out, uh, probably nice. tomorrow. I know you guys are waiting with bated breath as per usual, <laughs> um, <laughs> on sports jerks. I also write for the fakefootball.com and four for four.com. Uh, I have a book you may have heard. It's called how to think like a fantasy football winner. Go get it on Amazon or else. Or else, oh yeah, my my kid will have to be put up for adoption. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God! Uh, and I am JJ Zacharies, and you can find me on Twitter at Late Round QB, and I'll be cranking out content on NumberFire.com. All right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the Internet Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we 
sure about the t-